Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? Hey, Jackie, it's going well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We're back this week for our little Champions League review and the quick preview of the Premier League as well. Are you excited for that? I'm very excited. There's some fun stuff going on in, in football, none other than Mr. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but we'll save that for a little bit later. We should save it for later. We'll see how that one panned out in a minute. But why don't we start with our Champions League review and you take us through the starting lineup and then maybe even the scores that happened. Yeah, let's let's get started. So Chelsea played Krasnodar at home and Lampard made 10 changes to the starting team from the Leeds game. And he did not play Alonso. So do you owe me some money or what are we talking here? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so like he had said, Kepa started in goal. Espilicueta on right back. Uh, Christensen and Rudiger center backs. And then Emerson left back. He played Kovacic, Jorginho, and Billy Gilmore in midfield. And Kai Havertz, Tammy Abraham, and Tino Andurin in attack. So even though Alonso didn't play... And I am disappointed by that. I am pleased that Tino got his full debut. As am I. I think it's exciting to see still giving the youth a chance. And I'm excited. I did predict Havertz on the wing. Maybe I'm not excited because I don't think that's his strongest position. But I'm glad I'm kind of reading Lampard's mind a little bit. Yeah, especially with the news that Hudson-Odoi was injured. I think he didn't really have too many options. And that was why I said Alonso. But anyway... So let's just get into the game. Krasnodar, who needed the point or draw at least to make it to Europa League, started pretty well, I'd say. They they were on the front foot. And I think that was mainly also because there was just the number of changes in our team. They were just trying to gel together, the boys. So they went up. Krasnodar went up, I mean, in the the 24th minute, a goal from Remy Cabea. French player who actually used to play for Newcastle United in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, you're right. So he scored, and honestly, I think Kepa should have done a little bit better, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, and then we woke up a little more, started gelling to better together, and actually went ahead and won a penalty that got us back into the game through Jorginho. And your favorite player won us the penalty, Tammy Abraham. Yeah, he did well to do to win the penalty. He was hustling and bustling for that first half. I agree. He he did pretty well. He, you know, was holding off the defender and let the ball run across him, and that really left the defender with no choice but to tackle him. So credit to Tammy over there. And Jorginho steps up and scores and makes it one-one. He actually missed a penalty in the first fixture against Krasnodar in Russia. Right. Right. So it was good to see that, you know, he still stepped back up and took it and scored. And from then on, we we had multiple chances to score in, in the remainder of the first half and the second half. Uh, but it wasn't to be. And just one moment I want to talk about from the second half was in the 73rd minute, Tino, who was making his debut, as we said, played a good ball into Havertz and he really should have scored. He should have, yeah. I saw that. He definitely should have scored that goal. Yeah. So, anyway, that kind of 
was the story of our night. It ended 1-1, like we've said. And some of the regulars did get a little bit of game time. And Conte came on, Timo Werner came on, and Giroud came on. Uh, but I really didn't want Werner to get any minutes. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, overall, honestly, the second half is just as you described it. The game kind of just petered out and went through the motions. I was in agreement with you. I was hoping no one would come on as far as the first 11 because I didn't see the game going in any in any direction. Obviously, the game was already in the bag. We were top of the table. So I was hoping we got some of the players that don't play every single game to finish out the game. Timo Werner has played a lot of minutes. So I was definitely hoping he sat that one out. But maybe Lampard thought he could nick it and get another point and continue with the morale up top. I, I don't know. But Overall, I think it was just an okay game. I don't know a better word to describe it than it was just an okay game. But a uh, good good midweek uh, Champions League game. So that's all right. I, I agree. You could tell it was a game that, you know, both teams knew the result. Chelsea had qualified. Krasnodar really just needed the point. And once they found out that Sevilla were, were winning heavily, that kind of weighed on them and, and they it just played out on its own. So... That was the the game, and um, the positives for me were we extended our our unbeaten run. It's now 17 games, which pans all the way back to late September. So, yeah, I was actually going to agree with you or make that exact same point. Is even though the game was just okay, Frank Lampard did make 10 full changes. So for the team to go unbeaten, yes, we did concede. Yes, Kepper is back in goal, but overall, it's it's a good run and it's continuing. Um, for 10 big changes, I think it's it's okay. Nothing nothing more to be said there. I mean, other than that, who would be your man of the match for the game? Because, again, we've just described the game as an okay game. But Yeah, my man of the match, I think I would give it to Billy Gilmore. Agreed. Uh, I know Jorginho got the goal, and he was pretty solid, Jorginho. But Billy Gilmore, for his first 90 minutes back after a long-term injury, uh, I think he did pretty well, and he's got a very bright future with, with us. Yeah, he's full of energy. He's got man of the match in all of his full debuts, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. He's got the man of the match for his first Premier League debut. I think it was the FA Cup and now the Champions League. So a young man playing a decent position. I think he's got a decent future ahead of him. He's full of energy. So hopefully he continues in this path. Yeah, totally. And Tino getting minutes and, and making his full debut is very good to see, like we've said. the Some of the negatives for me, and, and I, I know you'll agree with them, is I really wanted Tammy Abraham to get a goal mm-hmm. and this was his chance. And this game was set up for him to at least get one or two, especially with what Giroud has done in the last week or 10 days. Right. So that, that was one of the negatives. And the other one was Tamori not featuring at all. Yeah. I was a little surprised to see that. I was hoping he'd get some few minutes, but again, we've got five center backs. You can only play two at a time per game. Frank Lampard has got his first choice and then he made his second choice, maybe giving them a warm up. I find it very surprising if he doesn't go out on loan in January, to be honest with you. I agree. I think there's some teams out, at least in the Premier League, that could do with him and he could do with that game time. So, yeah, not... that's a good point. I hope he does go to a Premier League team just to continue that experience so that if Thiago Silver does get another year or decides to call it quits or whatever the reason may be, he continues with his experience in the Premier League. For sure. So, like we've said, we've qualified top of the group, which is very nice. And we are one of three English teams that did so. So we go into Monday's draw for the round of 16. And 
the some of the possibilities of the teams we could face. I'll just read them out, and then we can pick who are, are who we would like to face. So it's Atletico Madrid, Borussia Mönchengladbach, FC Porto, Atalanta, Lazio, Barcelona, and Leipzig. Yeah, I'm sure everybody wants to see another Barcelona-Chelsea game. No, overall, all those teams are, you know, you're in the point of the Champions League where anybody can beat anybody. It's happened before many times. So any of those are worthy opponents. I'm sure some are a little bit easier than other. But again, we're at the point in the Champions League where we just have to be focused and continue. And the, the further we can go, the better for us. Yeah, I agree. I, I rather avoid Barcelona and Atletico Madrid at this point. Uh, so preferably, I'd like to get Mönchengladbach or Porto or even Leipzig. I know Leipzig beat Manchester United, but right, right. they did end up conceding. So they, they're, there's goals that they can give up. And I think with our form right now, again, it's in February, the next round. So a lot's going to be happening between now and then. But I, I don't know. If I don't want to get these other Atletico Madrid or Barcelona or, or Atlanta who play some some good football some so. good football yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that the next game would be back in february or coming upcoming in february i think the team overall needs a little bit of a break just to focus on some local football no traveling and no midweek games or at least the volume of midweek games we've been dealing with so that'll be nice as well yeah yeah i mean december is jam-packed so we'll touch it we'll touch on the premier league games coming up but um just wanted to touch on the Leipzig game. I did mention Ole's still at the wheel. Uh, but what a disappointment. Our poor United fans. This game was set up for Man United to continue their run, but I just it just goes all wrong sometimes. It really does. Yeah, to go two down inside, I think it was the first 20 or 25 minutes in a game that they didn't have to win it, but to get a draw out of it, uh, it, it's, it was disastrous. Yeah, I just don't know what else they can do at this point. But you've got to continue. And if Ole is their man, which they have come out in support of him, is you've just got to continue and see where Man United end up at the end of the year. Yeah, so good luck to them in the Europa League. Yeah, another surprising one that I saw, Inter Milan did not make it through with Antonio Conte and his squad of stars. Very, very surprising. So a lot of surprises throughout the entire Champions League this past week. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the Champions League, even in the group stages. So... We'll miss we'll miss the excitement and and having some of these bigger guys in there, but I think it's a good opportunity for this not smaller. I don't mean that with any disrespect, but some of the teams that aren't favorites for the tournament. Absolutely, look at Atlanta last year and Ajax the year before. Who again, no disrespect, wonderful teams, but have gone on solid runs towards the final stages of the Champions League. And there's a lot of revenue to be made. So if you're a quarter quarter smaller club. I'm sure that definitely, definitely helps with things going forward, especially after a year like 2020. Yeah, for sure. And I don't want to go too much into Manchester United because they can, like we spoke about them so much and they still sit fifth in the Premier League and right, can, right. can move up. So let's move on to an incident that was grabbing all the headlines this week. And uh, that was the incident that took place in Paris. Now, I don't want to get too much into the details of what happened. I'm sure everyone is aware. Uh, But the one thing that we both want to touch on is the solidarity between PSG and the Istanbul players that they showed to to walk off the field. Yeah, I agree with you. 
overall, if the incident is coming across as racism, which if anybody hasn't seen it, go up and read on it, watch the videos, make up your own decisions and your minds on it. However, if there's even a slight inkling of racism, it's very nice to see that both teams support each other. You're talking about a team of PSG stature in the last few years, players like Neymar and Mbappe, when they stand together and make a decision on an incident that could be racist, it definitely pushes us in the right direction. And, you know, honestly, one of the biggest things that happened in the last few weeks is a game between Millwall and Derby County. I don't know if you've seen that. This is in the second division or the championship where the Premier League and the English League overall has been promoting the Black Lives Matter movement where every player is taking the knee to just give a little bit of minute to say that Black lives do indeed matter. One of the things that did happen in that game was as the players were taking the knee, the Millwall fans actually booed at this. And that's a big, big statement. And honestly, from my perspective, if we're talking about the point of racism, the Football Association of England did very, very little other than we condemn this. I really think there should be stricter sanctions in place. You're looking at PSG and Istanbul walking out it's a big, big statement versus what we saw in England. I think they can do better. I 100% agree with you on the Millwall and Derby County and, and the FA not doing anything about it. And I mean, how silly and stupid do you have to be as fans to boo a, a global movement? Right. And you and it, and the second point here is they have players in their team that are right. affected by this, you know, by the whole movement directly and and to hear their own fans boo it i mean i can't even begin to imagine what they feel like yeah, the way i look at it again this is just my opinion so i'm just giving it honestly and openly to everybody listening is at the end of the day it doesn't hurt anybody to take a minute to just get on your knee and spread some positivity in the world so if anybody's booing that it's quite a disappointment to see I really hope the FA looks at that in the future or looks at future incidents like that and, and makes better calls. And honestly, I hope we don't have future incidents like this. I hope there's enough of a movement to make sense that we're all one watching the beautiful game together. That's that's very well put. And the last thing I'll say on this is this PSG Istanbul move, if it if it happens again in any game, this will be the moment where other teams will also do the same thing they did. Agreed. Agreed. So Let's move on now to the Premier League. And we play Everton this week, don't we? Oh my God, we do. And, and we play Everton under Carlo Ancelotti. Do you know, he's, he started the season off like a house on fire. But before we get into all of the details, why don't you take us through what you think will be our starting lineup? Because you've been pretty good at this lately. Oh, thank you, my friend. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I think with all the changes that happened midweek, it points towards the regulars coming back. So Mendy in goal, Reese James at right back, Zuma Silva maintained their partnership, Chili B at left back, uh, Conte and Mount in midfield. Uh, I think Kovacic with them because we're short on wingers. So I'm going to say Kai plays the wing with Timo and Giroud up front. Okay, I think I'm in agreement with you. I was, I was guessing you were going to say Alonso again. I'm glad you didn't because we'd be, <laughs> old, we'd be just putting up the tally of how much you owe me at this point. But no, that's a solid starting lineup. I'm a little bit concerned about Kai Havertz playing the wing. He does look a little bit tired lately, but I think it's a, def, a definite solid lineup to go against that, a solid Everton lineup as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'd like to see Pulisic play on the wing instead of Kai, like you said. But given that Lampard said 
he felt his hamstring after the Leeds game, and he's he's okay. He said, but you never know if he starts and goes an extra, you know, tries to run a little bit more, and something goes, then it term, may turn into a longer term injury. Yeah, and the season isn't a quick race; it's a, it's a long term marathon. So if we can protect him and use him in the right place, I think Lampard is doing the right thing, and I hope he he does this as much as Kai Havertz isn't necessarily a winger. He can do the job and make it work. So I think we'll make it happen. Yeah. And so let's go back. I just want to go back on the point you brought up with about Everton and starting off very well. So they started off beating Tottenham away at in, in London, which was a massive result for them. And, you know, they continued their good form. They beat, I believe, Brighton. They, believe, uh, they beat West Brom. And then things have kind of been very rocky for them. And after sitting, I think, first or second in the first three or four weeks of the season, they now sit ninth. Yeah, a big fall from grace. Exactly. So just to touch on their last five games, they lost to Newcastle. They lost to Manchester United. They, lost, they won against Fulham, but then they lost to Leeds. And their most recent result last week was a draw against Burnley. Yeah, so, so a little bit of inconsistency creeping in there. Exactly. and. So they they come into this game with the benefit of having fans back, which is something we've touched on for Chelsea. But for Everton, they come into their first game since the fans have been back. And I think that will have them fired up. Yeah, and the Evertonian fans know how to make some sound, even with a few thousand in there. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, bumping and jumping in there. So hopefully that doesn't get them too excited to play us. I agree. And they beat us there the last time, last season. So hopefully... That doesn't happen again. But we also touched on King Carlo playing Super Frank, which is very exciting because Lampard played some of his best football under Ancelotti. Yeah, not just Lampard. Chelsea played some of their best football under Ancelotti. That was a wonderful season that he took us to the helm. And unfortunately, second season didn't work out in the management's eyes. But he did have a decent second season. So it's going to be interesting to see the two minds getting together and playing this game. Lampard has been very tactical lately. So we'll see how he lines up against uh, King King Carlo. Yeah, and, and Lampard said he was heavily influenced by him as a player and a man. So it shows you the respect and, and the influence he had on Lampard's career. And I'm a little bit concerned by this game. And I know our listeners are going to say you say this every week about Chelsea, but this is one of those games where everything's going well. And then we show up and Everton ruined the the party for us. Yeah, I can see that. I know you say that every week, but it's honestly, it's the nature of the premier league. We're talking about playing Leeds United who run us and run us and run us to death. And then, you know, playing Krasnodar, which isn't necessarily as tough as some of the premier league games, but it's another outing where you've not got your starting 11 out there. And now Everton again, who, although they've been inconsistent, can definitely put up a strong fight with their fans at home. So I don't think you have um, a reason right there to to not be worried, but we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, you're not giving me any confidence, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about predictions later. I, I think we'll win the game, but I don't think it's as easy as people think it's going to be. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. And our form away from home has been good. I mean, the one loss we've had was at home against Liverpool. Yeah. And apart from that, we've won, uh, I believe, three and drawn two away from home. So it's it's a good record. 
But again, Everton won't make it easy. And and with Dom, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I know you're going to touch on him, scoring goals for fun, it's going to be tough. Yeah, he looks like a different player this season. Again, we'll touch on what I think is going to happen, but he looks like a different player under Carlo Ancelotti this season, motivated, getting into the right spots and, and putting the ball in the net. Very, very, very wonderful to watch. Yeah, and it's not just him. They've they've got a good team this season. They added James Rodriguez, and he's maybe you could say gone off the boil since the beginning, but he basically runs the game for them in attack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then they added Allen, who I loved watching in his in the first few weeks of this season. Yeah, I think even they have Dakure now, who definitely puts a lot of physicality to the midfield. It kind of reminds me of a Carlo Ancelotti midfield when he was with Chelsea with You've got Lampard, Balak, and then the steel and strength from Essien, for example. So, Yeah, and they play, yeah, I think they play Keane in, in, in defense. And so they've got a good spine. And the only issue maybe you could say is Pickford. Right. And so I hope he doesn't injure any of our defenders. Trying yeah, to- I could almost look at Pickford and look at Kepa and say, oh, they're the same player. No, I'm sorry, that's a terrible joke. But yeah, he's not been great either. But overall, the team has been strong, so... It'll be a fun game. I think, what do you think the scoreline will be? I think it will be a 2-1 win for Chelsea. So tight, just like you said. Yes. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it'll be tight, but my prediction is all over the map. We've traditionally had pretty explosive games with Everton. It actually brings back memories of a 3-2 win we had in 2006, where we were losing the game. Balak scored a screamer. Frank scored a penalty. The current boss man himself. And then Didier Drogba scored one of the most amazing goals I've ever witnessed. So for me, I think it's going to be 4-2. I'm hoping it's going to be exciting and explosive, but we still win the game. So that that's my prediction. So who do you think scores? Giroud, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, in all honesty, Giroud is a man in form, so I hope he continues the goal scoring. I'm hopeful that Timo Werner gets back on the score sheet. And then somebody from midfield, I think Mason Mount deserves a goal, whether he scores or not. I think he deserves a goal for everything we've touched on previously. And what about Mr. Happy Zuma? Yeah, he's going to help my fantasy team if he puts another header in. <laughs> either him or Thiago Silva, I'm happy with either or. So, Yeah, I mean, that, it, that points to an entertaining game, the 4-2. Yeah, and if you if you don't watch Chelsea lately and tell me they're anything but entertaining, even when they play and they get a 1-1 draw or a nail-nail against Tottenham, they do play some really pretty football. Yeah, and I mean, I think Lampard's going to share the same feeling you and I have been talking about, that it's going to be tough. And so they've got to, the players have got to be focused. They've got to stay tight. And when we go on the other side to attack, we've got to take our chances. That, that's the biggest thing, is when we're going to attack, we need to put the ball in the net, just not kind of miss them. So I think if he starts with the lineup, we're predicting... It could be goals. It really could be goals. So hopefully that works out for us. Yeah. And so if we win, you know, we I think we go back up again. Um, yeah, so, or thereabouts, which is good just to stay at the top of the table. and Definitely. Continue. Yeah. And with some of the other fixtures this weekend, let's let's move on to those. So the Manchester Derby is this weekend, which is the biggest game of the weekend. And after everything United have been through in midweek, this is a big fixture for Ole. Yeah, how do you call it, honestly? Because we talk about United's un- inconsistency, but 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just wakes up sometimes. And it's not just him. It's credit to the players as well, or not credit to the players because they're so inconsistent. But, you know, when it's a big day, big game, what bigger stage than the Manchester Derby? Yeah, and I think this game suits them in that they aren't the favorites to win it. Mm -hmm. And so he'll play his strongest team, obviously, but they'll play with the mentality that we're not expected to win. And that's when they perform the best. Ironically, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think United win this. You think Man United are going to beat Man City? I think so. Man City, again, we've spoken about them in the past. And if you haven't heard, you know, some of our previous episodes covering Man City and Manchester United and some of the other teams, definitely go check it out. Uh, but Man City don't look the Man City of two years ago or even last season. So there's some issues there. And I think United with everything that's gone down this week, they need the win and they come out and win it three, two. Right. So I defer a little bit with you on, on the opinion of what the scoreline will be. Man City's form hasn't been consistent, but looking at their last few games, they won one nail against Sheffield and then drew against Liverpool. Completely understandable. Lost 2-0 to Tottenham. Tottenham are high flyers. And then they won their remaining two games, 5-0 against Burnley and 2-0 against Fulham, which we touched on. They could have won that game easily without getting into second gear. We're going into Man United, who, for me, I just can't see them winning this one, to be honest with you. I think it's going to end up being a 3-1 win for Manchester City. Okay, we'll see. I think both 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 scenarios present a fun game. And that's the beauty of this game is it can go anyway, any anyway, very fast, actually. For sure. All right. So let's move on to another game that features Crystal Palace and Tottenham Hotspur. So, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, they're just in, in wonderful form. It's the Harry Kane and Human Song show. Jose Mourinho has got them firing. I think they're going to beat Crystal Palace 3-0. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, 3-0. I think the some of their more recent games away from home, so I believe the last one was against us, Yep, and they tied. But if memory serves right, they went away to Burnley and won only one nothing. They went away to West Brom and won only one nothing. So I think teams are getting smarter when they're mm-hmm. at least hosting Tottenham Hotspur and not allowing the space to, to the likes of Harry Kane and, and Son. Uh, so I think Crystal Palace make it a little bit more difficult than than three nil. That's just my opinion. Sure. And Spurs still win it, but it may be tougher than than it than we think. So I think a two one win for them. Yeah. No disrespect to Crystal Palace. Tottenham Hotspur have won four of their last five games in the Premier League with one draw to Chelsea, and the last three games have been against Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal which they ended up winning 2-0 against Manchester City and Arsenal and a draw with Chelsea. So again, no disrespect to Crystal Palace. That's just where my thinking is coming from. No, that that, that sounds fair. So we'll, we'll see. And I hope Zaha gets a goal because I'm fighting for my life in this, in this fantasy Premier League. <laughs> You're slowly climbing up the table there. So hopefully that works out for you. I, I really hope so. <laughs> All right. So the next game on our list is Fulham versus Liverpool. I don't know any other way to describe it. Fulham are struggling. Liverpool are not struggling. I think it's going to be 4-0 to Liverpool. 
Oh, wow. I, I made sure we added Fulham and actually I made sure we added Liverpool because we haven't touched on Liverpool the last few episodes and some of our listeners keep messaging me that they're disappointed. So this one's for you. You know who you are. I say Liverpool win 3-1. So you think Liverpool will concede to Fulham who are, by the way, struggling in general, so. I think so. They- I mean, you know, Liverpool have got their injuries. We've talked on it, but Fabinho is playing wonderfully in, in centre-back. He's protect, protecting them really well. Allison comes back to the fold. Fulham are okay, sitting 17th in the league. Liverpool are sitting second in the league. They want to keep that pressure on Tottenham. It's possible they concede. I just, honestly, I just don't see it. Trent Alexander-Arnold is back in the team from injury. Andy Robertson is playing really wonderful football. I really don't see how they concede a goal, but Again, it's the beauty of the Premier League, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I you know, the one goal is for the Fulham fans that are going to be back in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Get them excited. It, yeah, exactly. They're they're going to spur their team on at least in the first 15, 20, first half maybe. So I think that's what drives the Fulham goal in. But we'll see. Okay. And the last game is one that is so tough to predict because we just don't know what kind of Arsenal team is going to show up. So it's Arsenal versus Burnley. Yeah, you. I think you covered it perfectly there. I just don't know how to predict Arsenal lately. They should be a team that wins this game based on paper, but for me, it's just going to end nail-nail. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's credit to Arsenal. Again, with all apologies, I think that's credit to Arsenal. They just seem in disarray. So nail-nail seems a fair result to me. Well, if that wasn't a surprise for the listeners, this definitely will be. I think Burnley win it 2-1. Wow. You're even more aggressive towards Arsenal than I am. <laughs> no, as you said, they, there's issues at Arsenal, and Burnley have found some form recently. Now, I know it's only a draw with Everton, and previously they won their game. But you know Sean Dyche makes it tough. He's going to play the long balls and he's going to want to make it a physical game. And for an Arsenal team that's been struggling recently to come into this kind of game, maybe a, a banana skin. So that's really why I think they lose it. Yeah, so Arsenal is sitting in 15th. They've lost three, drawn one of their last four games. So no wins in their last four. Burnley are sitting in 18th, who have only had one win in their last five. It's a tough game. If Burnley win this one, honestly, I'd be super surprised, which is why I've gone conservative with the draw because it's. I'm trying to hope Arsenal get out of the slump they're in. But again, it, 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 we'll wait and watch. We'll wait and watch. It should be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I mean, it definitely will be. So, And hopefully no Arsenal fans come after me if they win their game. But Yeah. So we'll- because a Liverpool fan requested this, I just want to touch, if you didn't watch on Liverpool, they played their... Third choice goalkeeper ahead of Adrian. I, I'm blanking on the young man's name right now, but he made his full debut a few few games ago and did brilliantly, honestly, did really, really well. In fact, I'm actually hearing murmurs out of Liverpool that he will now become the second choice goalkeeper ahead of Adrian. So that might be interesting to watch over the next few weeks. Yeah, his his I'm not going to butcher his first name, but his last name is Keller. Yes, yep, you nailed it right there. So yeah. he, he looks like a young man who's confident. And we've touched on Liverpool's, what's the right term, philosophy that Jurgen Klopp has put into the club where all the way from top to bottom. And this is showing it again. So it was wonderful to watch. Yeah, and he's 22 years old. 
So for him to jump ahead of, of Adrian, Adrian, well, however you want to say it, who hasn't been the best. So it hasn't big, been the best. Yeah. It's been a, it's a big call from Klopp and it pays off for him. Yeah, absolutely. So and not just the one Liverpool fan that reached up, any Liverpool fans. We, we, we watch, we're listening, we're hearing. <laughs> that, that was a good touch. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Yeah. All right, shall we move on to our final segment uh, for the week, which is the blast from the past? Do you want to get us kicked off on who your blast from the past is? Yes, we didn't do this earlier in this week, but let's let's keep let's keep doing this, uh, keep doing the blast from the past because it's been a fun segment. So, for me, in the spirit of the Manchester derby, I am going to go with Andrew Cole, or most commonly known as Andy Cole. What a wonderful player touching on. I'm glad you're picking this man. Yes, he played for both teams and is is a Premier League icon. He is the third highest goal scorer in the Premier League history with 187 goals and holds the Premier League record for most goals scored in a 42-game season, 34 goals, and the fastest to score 50 goals. It just took him 65 games. So he's definitely a Premier League icon. Uh, But one thing not many listeners may know is he began his career as a youth player for Arsenal Football Club. Interesting. (laughs) Exactly. So he he joined them after leaving school in 1988. And he only made, I believe, one appearance for them in in the league and uh, then moved on to Bristol City on loan and then signed for Bristol City permanently. But his, his biggest move was moving to Newcastle United, who at that point were in Division One, which was below the main league, the main league, which was um, the first division, which is what was called the Premier League. Uh, so he joined Newcastle. He broke their club transfer record, which they paid a mighty £1.75 million. Pounds to sign him. And that's where he made his name. He scored 12 goals in his first season, which included two hat-tricks. In total for Newcastle, he scored 34 goals in 40 matches and and helped them qualify for the UEFA Cup, now known as the Europa League. And he then moved on to Manchester United for £6 million, which at that point was huge money. Yeah. You talk about six million in this day, it's a bargain, but I'm sure back in the day that was huge, huge, huge money. Yeah. And that was worth the investment because he went on to become a legendary player for Manchester United and he was part of the team that won the treble. And he actually scored the winning goal for Manchester United in the final Premier League game against Hot Tottenham Hotspur. Uh and that clinched them the Premier League. He also scored in the Champions League semifinal against Juventus, so that helped them go to the final. And so he was him and another blast on the past name is Dwight York formed a formidable partnership up front, and the goals just kept flowing. Uh, but as you know, Manchester United always attract the best players, and when Rude Van Nistelrooy, I'm just dropping a lot of names here, just name dropping here, yeah. <laughs> Uh, joined them the the role for Cole became limited and so he moved on to Blackburn Rowers Uh, he stayed with them for a couple of seasons and then finally signed for Manchester City on a free transfer and enjoyed a good start 
at City uh, under Stuart Pierce, another name that would ring a bell. Um, and that's that. That's my blast from the past, playing for both teams, and and I believe he even ended up scoring against Manchester United in a City shirt. So, yeah, I believe it. Honestly, the level of detail you brought to this blast from the past is brilliant to hear. I didn't know a lot of the facts you've told us today, especially that he started his youth career with Arsenal. So it's nice to to see how this comes full circle. And he played for both clubs. Honestly, when I got into the Premier League, I remember his days at Blackburn and then Fulham and Man City. So. It's nice to hear some of the records and goals he scored for Manchester United in the earlier days of, of his career. Yeah, he he was a very, very good player. And uh, I remember, like you said, we started watching the Premier League when he was banging in the goals. And it was tough to not support Manchester United because of that. Right. <laughs> so anyway, who's your glass from the past? So I also wanted to keep with the Manchester Derby theme, but this is the Premier Chelsea. I like to squeeze in Chelsea one way or the other. Um, unfortunately, I pick players that don't always have wonderful careers in the Premier League or Chelsea. It's just who I end up figuring out or remembering from back in the day. For this particular episode, I've gone with Juan Sebastian Veron. So he was an Argentinian international that moved to Manchester United from Lazio for a world record fee, or an English record fee, I should say, for £28.1 million, which honestly, back in that time of 2002-2003 or 2001-2002, was incredible. The most expensive English transfer of football of all time and and becoming the first non-UEFA player to break the English transfer record. He played two seasons for Manchester United and all in all made 51 appearances and scored seven goals from midfield, which isn't a bad return as a playmaker. But really what ended up happening was he couldn't keep up with the pace of the Premier League. He came from Italy, which is slower, more tactical, more defensive, and just couldn't keep up. Sir Alex Ferguson did defend him heavily, even going into interviews with some not-so-nice language said to defend him because he did like him that much. He was unfortunately kind of pushed out of Man United just from the powers that be. And here's where it gets interesting. He was sold to Chelsea in 2003-2004 for £15 million. That means he just completed two seasons with Man United. After coming to Chelsea, he had a lot of injury problems, just didn't fit in one way or the other. He made a total of 14 appearances in that season and scored one measly goal. Jose Mourinho came in and said, this isn't going to work, and he was loaned down to Inter. He did have a good, good career with Inter for a couple of seasons winning them some trophies, and then finally returned home back to Argentina to finish his career with Estudiantes. But definitely one of those players in the Premier League that had the class and the skill to become something amazing, but it's the story of the speed of the Premier League. But a lot of respect and put some respect to Juan, Juan Sebastian Veron. That was a good blast from the past, and I can't believe we still spent £15 million on him. £15 million pounds back in that day. But that was the day Roman Abramovich was helping bankroll a lot of transfers early on, and it was just exciting to have a flair player come in or somebody with that quality from Italy. And unfortunately, it didn't work out at United. It didn't work out at Chelsea. Uh, hopefully, his career did much better when he went to Inter, and it did. And, and he, he was successful, so... Yeah, we, we got them back by selling the Matic for $40 million, so. <laughs> true so that that but that that's a good blast from the past and i think it add, added to my um theme of keeping it in the manchester area at least so that wraps it up jackie it's been another fun podcast we've now done 10 exciting i know we we just started about a month ago and and now we're 10 in 
And we're enjoying this, and I hope our listeners are as well. And we'll continue to to make new ep- new episodes, and we'll come back with some fun stuff. We've been talking about having some guests on, so we'll do that. We've been working in the background on a new logo, so that will be coming out. Keep an eye for eye out for it. And we're loving all the shout outs and the feedback we've been getting. We're seeing the reviews on Apple's, uh, seeing it on Spotify, on Anchor. So shout out to everyone that has left us a review. And and if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and leave us one. Uh, And if you want to connect with us, we're on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at the Premier Chels. So continue to subscribe and let's grow the Premier Chels together. Thanks all. Bye. Yep. Thank you guys. Bye.